It is your Tuesday daily delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back for yet another day and a good show coming up. Jim Paulson from the Star Tribune covers high school sports, um, has for quite some time, joins me here in a little bit to talk um, state tournaments coming up and some recent controversies with the Minnesota State High School League, some eligibility questions, and how those ultimately got resolved. So <clears throat> good stuff from Jim here in just a little while. Hope you stick around for that with state tennis, state softball coming up here in just a couple days, and all sorts of other state tournaments not too far off in the distance. Um, got some other stuff, got some drama in uh, in Dinkytown, some gopher, gopher coaching, uh, maybe a little bit of drama, a, a notable departure there that I want to get to. Um, some interesting Vikings news, and I'll get to a listener question as well. First, though, what did I miss? So, pardon me, you're probably going to be seeing a lot of these things if you haven't already, as some of us kind of take initial voyages, forays into artificial intelligence. Now, there's all these, you know, various little chat bots out there, different different AI tools where you can kind of see what artificial intelligence knows, see what it does. And like we're most of us are using it kind of for the dumbest stuff right now for, you know, basically Wikipedia level replacement uh, type stuff. I'm no different. I think the first thing I asked the chatbot a week or two ago, I asked it to make a rap song in the style of Eminem about my wife. Um, and that, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't. We she did she did something similar about me. I don't know exactly why I asked it to do that, but it was it was not bad, you know. And then I asked, you know, my daughters were like, "Do one about me, do one about me." So I had them do a song about them, not so much in the style of Eminem. Um, and you know, and it, it's it's kind of amazing how fast it can turn around at least a passable work of uh, art is maybe the wrong word but a a work that you know as you if you took it and then you know use it as a rough framework would be it would be something you could probably probably turn into something at least decent it's you know the the base of it is not usually that great but you know as you as you kind of look at it you're like okay i can see this piece the structure is there some of these rhymes work let's let's go with it so that was the first thing i asked it and then for some reason I got on this kind of kick. I was like, what else can I ask artificial intelligence? And the next, I don't know why, but the next question that came to my mind, it wasn't even a question, it was just a direct statement to the uh, to the to the app was tell me about the 1998 NFC title game. And I I don't, you know, I don't know I don't know what I wanted, what I expected from this, why that was front brain. Maybe it's because we are coming up on the 25-year anniversary season of that team, 1998, the 1998 Vikings that went 15-1 and um, and, of course, lost in the NFC title game. That was the game I asked the uh, the chatbot about. Um, that, you know, we're coming up to 25 years. Maybe that's kind of been in in my mind and, uh, and, and that caused me. But anyway, I asked... The, uh, I asked artificial intelligence to tell me about that game. Didn't give it any other context. Didn't tell it who was playing, what sport, anything like that. And this is what it spit out. The 1998 NFC Championship game was a football game played on January 17, 1999 between the Minnesota Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons. 
The game was played at the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and was broadcast on Fox. Very good basic facts so far. The Vikings entered the game as heavy favorites, having gone 15-1 during the regular season and setting an NFL record for most points scored in a single season. The Falcons, on the other hand, had finished the season with a 14-2 record and were led by quarterback Chris Chandler and running back Jamal Anderson. The game started off well for the Vikings with quarterback Randall Cunningham throwing a touchdown pass to Randy Moss on the team's first possession. However, the Falcons quickly responded with a touchdown run by Anderson, and the game was tied 7-7 after the first quarter. So far, so good, but here's where it gets kind of dicey. It says, um, in the second quarter, the Falcons took control of the game with Chandler throwing two touchdown passes to tight end Reggie Kelly. The Vikings were able to score a field goal before halftime, but they went into the locker room trailing 20-10. to That is completely... False. Those are not correct facts. The Vikings actually led 20-14 to at halftime. Reggie Kelly did not catch any touchdown passes in this game for Atlanta, let alone two in the second quarter. The Vikings led 20-7 to before the Falcons, of course, got that late touchdown in the uh, in the second quarter after the turnover by the Vikings when they were trying to get some extra extra scoring in there so that that was interesting to me that they that that it botched such a basic fact and got off track on what actually happened in the game because I thought that that would be what AI would know the most right that that would they would have a good summary of what happened in the game kind of like a book report style on the game let's continue In the second half, the Falcons continued to dominate with Chandler throwing another touchdown pass and Morton Anderson kicking two field goals. The Vikings were able to score another touchdown on a pass from uh, from Cunningham to Chris Carter, um, but it was too little too late. The Falcons won the game 30-27 and advanced to Super Bowl 33, where they would lose to the Denver Broncos. None of that really is true. Um, Chris Carter did not have a touchdown in the second half. It was not a matter of Atlanta just kind of running away and hiding. Of course, didn't even mention the Gary Anderson missed field goal, didn't mention that it went into overtime, just kind of sounded like a game where the Vikings trailed for pretty much the whole time, maybe got a late touchdown to make the score look better, and then that was that. So that was kind of eye-opening for me, right? Because I think we've seen some instances, there was a lawyer who got in trouble by using um, AI to to you know to write briefs, and then they, it made up cases, things like that. Um, and so it, it struck me that they were, they were not good. This is, it was not good at just the basic facts of the game. However, the last paragraph that it sent me was this. The loss was a devastating one for the Vikings, who had been considered one of the best teams in NFL history. The team's record-setting offense had been, had been held to just 27 points, and the Falcons had become the first team in NFL history to win a conference championship game on the road after posting a losing record the previous season. So... What was alarming, strange, I don't know how I would put it, is that AI was better at the emotion and the pain of this game, a devastating one for the Vikings and by extension their fans, than it was the basic facts of the game. The The thing that was readily available, I think in multiple sources that it could pull from, it messed up. What it understood was the emotion of it, that it was devastating, that was, you know, that the Vikings were these heavy favorites. And again, I'm sure that can be culled from a lot of different sources too. But it was interesting to me to see that that was the case. Now, <clears throat> just to kind of confirm that, the next question I asked it, 
um, just for extra additional pain, was will the Vikings ever win the Super Bowl? And here was its one paragraph response. As an AI language model, I cannot predict the future with certainty. However, the Minnesota Vikings have been a successful NFL team with many talented players and have come close to winning the Super Bowl multiple times. Yeah, no kidding. The team has appeared in four Super Bowls but has not won a championship yet. You don't say. With a strong roster and good coaching, it's certainly possible that the Vikings could win a Super Bowl in the future. It's important to note that success in the NFL depends on many factors, including player health, team chemistry, and luck. So it's impossible to guarantee any team will win a championship. So there you have it. AI knows your pain, knows how frustrating it's been, knows the road ahead is not guaranteed. Um, but what it doesn't know is the basic facts of probably the most devastating loss, at least in this recent vintage of fandom, in this in this Vikings version of history. And that, to me, is a little bit alarming when it comes to the future of artificial intelligence. Speaking of the Vikings, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but Reggie Fowler, who tried to buy the team almost two decades ago and then, in, in fact, became a minority owner before his involvement um, with the Vikings ended a little over a little less than a decade ago. He was sentenced to over six years in prison as part of a massive cryptocurrency scam that uh, really was one of the major things that sunk the Alliance of American Football, a pro football league, a few years ago. It was a seven hundred million dollar crypto scam. I'm reading from the uh, from the Associated Press report. He sentenced to that on. Uh, on Monday, so Reggie Fowler, former Vikings minority owner, sentenced to more than six years in prison. Um, that's that's quite a story. I can't even imagine what would have happened had he bought the team instead of the Wilf family in 2005. But there you have it, Reggie Fowler heading away for quite some time. Time to check my social media. Yeah. Just see who loves me online. Life. That sound means I've had some uh, some listener questions. Uh, a couple of them on email, one of them on Twitter. So I get to play that little uh, play that little song. People, even even though I think I've written this once or twice, the thing that people seem most concerned about and wondering the most about as we talk about the twins and their future on TV is whether or not they will have their announcers the same. If in fact. Major League Baseball takes over production of the games, which could happen in the middle of this season. We're still waiting to see. There was the judge's ruling last week that said Diamond Sports has to pay the Twins um, in full for their rights this season. And the next big payment, they haven't paid them. They haven't finished the payment on the first one that was due right around the start of the season. And the next big payment is due July 1st. We don't know what's going to happen. They could very well walk away from that contract in a few weeks, and then the Twins will be left not scrambling because I think they're ready for it, but they would be left to produce those games and distribute them this year and perhaps beyond as well because there's no contract in place for next season. So the thing people really want to know, the the emails that I've been getting are, will the broadcast team be the same? And I don't think we know exactly how this will play out, but we can look at the model that's happening in San Diego where, in fact, this has already happened. They took over, you know, Major League Baseball took over broadcast last week, and the plan there was to have the play-by-play and analysts continue to work for 
the continue to work for the broadcast even when they shifted to Major League Baseball because those are team employees, and that's the same with the Twins. So someone like Dick Bramer, who is the play-by-play voice of the Twins, has been for quite some time. He is not a Bally Sports North employee. He is a Twins employee. He would still be doing the games if the games changed to a different carrier. Same with all of the analysts employed by the team. Now, what would be different, as I've explained to people um, when I've responded to their emails or tweets, what would be different is pregame and postgame. Those are Bally Sports North folks, and those would not be coming along with the with the with this new potential new world order so we'll have to see how that piece of it plays out if there are pre and post game shows i don't know how that will look exactly but dick bramer would still be doing the games if indeed this does become a change mgm wine and spirits is the choice for savings service and a great selection of spirits pre-mixed cocktails wines and of course ice cold beers and hard seltzers with over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Let's talk high school sports on Daily Delivery today. Got Jim Paulson from the Star Tribune here with me. Jim does a great job, along with all of the rest of the prep staff, um, covering all of the all of the all of the high school sports. And it's tournament time again, Jim. Uh, you know, we kind of I'm very familiar with the calibration of the seasons. I was the high school sports editor for about five years back, about 10, 15 years ago. It kind of it's like these, these you know, you got to go slow, 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 and then everything all at once. It's like the fire hose, the garden hose, and you're into we're into that this week with with tennis and softball state tournaments and something that caught my eye um Jim was just the the level of the level of softball right now seems to be raised pretty high and especially with Rosemount this undefeated team going into the state tournament they've got three players on the first team of the all metro including metro player of the year two players on the second team like i i don't remember there being kind of back in my day i've covered i covered a lot of softball back in the day i i don't remember there being a team quite that stacked how how did that become the the powerhouse program you know that's interesting i talked to the coach tiffany rose about that very issue and she had told me that she doesn't know how it happened either she just kind of thanks her lucky stars every day that how all these players came together in one school in like a basically a two-year window for um um, the, the girls were juniors and seniors yeah and all and these are these a team that could rival a lot of the top club teams um the Jessa Snippis is yeah. their their leader, the pitcher, and she's been amazing. She was a Metro Player of the Year. But they've got other girls like uh, Paige Zender, a power hitting first baseman, and Isabel Nelson, a a terrific shortstop. Both of them are going to Iowa State, by the way. Yeah, and they've got others that are going to play in in college. Cece Hansen, an outfielder; uh, Ari Prindle, a second baseman; um, uh, Kayla Bartle, a left fielder. There's sure. so many good players on that team, and how it's just a, a coincidence. Yeah, you know, uh, um, thank you, Lucky Stars, uh, for uh, Rosemont to all come together in this one season. They won the state championship two years in a row. They yeah. knew these players would be good last year. I think the pressure got to them a little bit, and they didn't get there last year. And now this has been their goal all yeah. season long. And so far, so good. Twenty three and zero. That's a good time for just softball in general. We I think we've talked plenty about college softball. The Gophers have a very good program. They've been in the state tournament, not state tournament, the NCAA tournament. Boy, it'd be unfair if they let the Gophers play in the state tournament. The NCAA tournament every year since 2013, uh, excluding the COVID year where the tournament was canceled, of course. 
Um, like I said, some of these players going to play for the Gophers, including the the very good Metro Player of the Year, who's not only a great pitcher but is hitting over 600 this She's year. A terrific hitter. I mean, just you know, I imagine she was, if not unanimous, got a lot of support as Player of the Year. It's just kind of a, a heyday for softball in general. I think we maybe talk about that in Minnesota with some other sports. Like it's been a you know we've had like top five draft picks in in basketball, volleyball has really kind of burst onto the scene. But softball is is producing some really high-level players, and the sport in general has seems like it's been growing. Well, it seems nationally yes. the sports profile has been big as well. If you see uh, the College World Series that's yeah. going on right now, and they're getting very good ratings. I think they outdraw uh, college baseball all the time. Um, and I have ideas about why that might be. But there's something about softball that just kind of catches your eye. It's a smaller game, a quicker game. There's a lot of energy. Uh, and I don't know about you, but if I find myself flipping channels, and it was a college softball game. I always tend to pause on that one just yeah. because it's an easy game to watch. The players are closer up. The, it's just it's just a fun game to watch. It really is compared to baseball, which you can have a much bigger field, you know, and and balls and, and dead bats and balls yeah. that aren't going anywhere. In softball, there's always action. There's always something going on. Yeah, I feel like I I do the same thing, and I feel like it's something happens quickly when you turn it on. And I watched. I didn't watch a ton of Gophers games this year, but when they got to the NCAA tournament, I found myself like seeking out like. Hey, what channel? What's the alternate channel for this? You know, first round game against I think it was McNeese State, and I was like, like my kids are like, yeah, we want to watch TV. Let it's it's our turn. I'm like, no, no, no I'm just gonna watch this. We're gonna watch this softball for a while. It is a it is a fun game to watch, and the state tournament's always fun too. Like it's it's a it's a it's a lot of logistics. It's a lot to cover with everything That's going it. on on all of those fields, but it, it's always a, a fun cover, um, especially when the weather uh, cooperates. And it is always. Sun bleached when you're down there. You yes. go down there, and you better have the sunscreen. You're at there's Caswell no, there's Park no trees. No, there's no nothing. trees. No tree cover. And they oftentimes would have the championship games, you know, that stacked one right on top of the other. Yes. You know, within an, a half an hour yes. starting times of each other. That's been a difficult to cover. This year they've they've staggered the start times a little bit. More, I think an hour and a half between games, but still just a great experience. It's all softball and the six fields at Caswell Park. Um, players everywhere, fans everywhere. You know. People parking in fields like a state fair. Yeah, it's a it's a, a really fun tournament. It really is. Do you like this time of year? Does it? Does it? I mean, I know. We, I just remember kind of like it's like this mix of like adrenaline, but also like not even. It's not dread. Dread's not the right word, but you just know you're going to be tired at the end of it. But do you do you enjoy this kind of like period of two or three weeks that that kind of comes? I mean, in the in the winter, it's more like five or six weeks. But like this this period of time where it's like it's just game, 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 and you, all, you get all these champions crowned. Well, I'm not sure that my my wife appreciates no. it because I'm gone yes. for the next two weeks. Yes, um, I'll be doing uh, boys tennis right. this week, and I'll be doing softball at the end of the week, and then next week we've got baseball, and yep. we'll have lacrosse. So there's a uh, lots of things going on. I won't even be covering all the tournaments. We also have track, track and field, yeah, and golf. So right. it, it, I would say the high school league people got to be pulling their hair out yeah. this time of year. But it comes, you're interested. It's the end of the season, and then. You got a time to relax for a little while because it'll only be a month and a half before football starts again. Oh, don't say that, <laughs> right? <laughs> you got to take your time where you can get it. I'm sure. I kind of remember that. Just there, there's a rhythm to the seasons. It's all, it's all fun. But it always felt like those spring tournaments snuck up on you because it's like the spring season, especially this year. I mean, there was like not. I mean, we forget about it now because it's been like 80s and 90s for the past like two or three weeks. But the start of the spring season was terrible weather-wise. These these seasons barely got underway until probably mid-April. Right? It's amazing to me that they're able to get their 20 game seasons in for all these softball and baseball right. teams that, that they're playing every day 
you know, and tough for baseball because you need pitching every day. Yeah. And softball, you can a lot of times rely on the same pitcher. Right. Baseball, you have arms that need to be protected. But uh, it, it's kind of a fun time of year. You like to be, you like to be uh, busy. Yeah. You know, and uh, it comes and goes really quickly. Like you said, less than two months ago, yeah. we were lamenting the weather. Yes. Now it's coming to a conclusion. Now it's too it hot. It happens fast. Now it's too hot. Yeah, exactly. We'll always complain about something. Speaking of always complaining about something, you mentioned the high school league a minute ago about how busy they are this time of year. They've had to be extra busy because they've had some rulings to make on on a couple of issues that became kind of pretty well published, pretty public with eligibility, um, with you know some, I think it was boys golfers in the section tournament and um, it was a girls shot put um, mm-hmm. also. And, you know, I'm, these stories bubble up all the time. There's eligibility questions. There's kind of these mini controversies. Talk me through what happened, why people were upset with the high school league, maybe in some maybe kind of your perspective on, the, on how it all played out and the outcome. Well, I think what happens is the high school league, first of all, tends to become the, the low-hanging fruit. People want yes. to take shots at them. Um, in ten, in, uh, I'm sorry, in golf, it was uh, some boys uh, golfers that had played in tournaments outside of the high school league season, but the tournaments were not regulation high school league tournaments. Right. And so the high school league initially declared them in, ineligible for the uh, – um, for the section tournaments because those tournaments they played were not cleared by the high school league or didn't meet high school league standards. In, um, in, in the shot put, a couple of girls at, Ch- at uh, uh, Cambridge on Sandy um, were left off the list of qualifiers right. inadvertently by their own coach. Right. And when the, he turned in the list of, of uh, you know, people that they had to um, list for the meets or for the state meet, and they weren't uh, they were disqualified originally. Yeah. And the high school league, their first response when that was called to their attention was that they were, hey, we have to look into this, and right now they're uh, ineligible. I think people got a little angry, a little upset, and they jumped the gun calling the high school league um, all kinds of names. Right. <laughs> the, Social uh, media is not yeah, a kind place you know, sometimes. The comments were all anti-high school league, and people thought it was common sense to give these kids a chance to play. In, in both situations, since then, the high school league has gone back on their initial right. ruling. They've reexamined it, and everyone's able to play. Uh, I think that's exactly how things should be done. The high school league is a league that's ruled by bylaws and policies, and they go to great lengths to follow those things, um, which means that procedure is uh, an yeah. important part of the, what the high school league does. Sure. So I think people got a little bit upset early right off the bat when the high school league, who doesn't often comment on these sorts of things right. when they haven't been resolved, um, wasn't able to say anything, and only people that were complaining were parents. Um, but I think the high school league handled them exactly the way they should be. They reexamined both situations, and in both times, common sense won. And yeah. uh, the kids are now ch- having the chance to uh, compete in the state meets. And But the problem is it's gonna, that, that feeling of the high school league as being um, restrictive is going to linger, and it's going to cloud people's feelings and judgments for a long time. Thinking the high school right. league is incompetent or they don't do this, they're not a bunch of fat cats. No. They're a bunch of they're, they're guys who take their um, and women who take their responsibilities seriously. Uh, just as a matter of getting through their procedures and policies and, and getting the right ruling. Well, it's like the high school equivalent of the NCAA, and like nobody is like cheerleading. Oh, the NCAA made a great decision. Like usually, you only hear about people you know, with college sports or with leagues when they're upset with them, right? When they're like, oh, they, they did this dumb thing. Oh, look at look at this ruling they did. Look at their net. They're being too hard on them being declared ineligible. I, I agree with you in this case, especially with especially with the case of the, the shot putters. Like, if they were left off the list, even if it was inadvertent, they can't just be like, oh, well, fine. You know, anybody can, anybody can come to the state meet. Like, you've got to follow 
a procedure. You've got to, you know, maybe entities like that, like you say, kind of exist as bureaucracies to a certain degree, but there's a bureaucracy for a reason. You have to follow kind of the set of procedures or else it, it doesn't work. Otherwise, it's just chaos. Why bother having rules if you just disregard them whenever it's convenient? So I'm, I'm glad they came to the conclusion they came to. I'm glad people were able to participate, obviously. Like, I would hate to see these golfers or these these track and field athletes not be able to participate because of, you know, small errors in judgment. But, yeah, it's, it's not automatic, right? It's not automatic, and they probably do take more heat, the high school league, than they deserve. You know, the high school league administers more than 400 schools and more than 30 sports all season long. And they have on these things, this, this cropped up with girls track and field and boys golf. For the most part, those are two sports that they've had uh, questions that have happened this year. I don't think it's fair to just blanketly portray them as being incompetent as some wanted to do. I think the high school league did exactly what they should have done and how it should have been done. And uh, I commend them for getting to the uh, result that uh, we had hoped to uh, hope to reach. And, and you know as well as yeah. I do that administrative bodies, governing bodies, take a lot of heat no oh, matter yeah. what. Yes. I mean, listen to Roger, look at Roger Goodell getting oh, booed yeah. at, the, sure. at the NFL draft. Has he really been that bad? No, but but people want to uh, yes. want to uh, take shots at the guys in charge. Well, he serves at the behest of the owners, who are probably not a easy lot to please. Um, Jim, really quick before you go, I mean, tennis is the first one up. I mean, that we had the the all Metro softball and the Metro Player of the Year story are on Star Tribune, StarTribune.com dot com right now. You should go read those. But tennis tournament underway Tuesday. Um, what should we watch for there? This is the the best year I've ever seen for having two really stellar players okay. at the top of the rankings. Okay. Colin Badoon of Wyzetta, Matthew Fullerton of Edina. They played in last year's championship match. Fullerton won in three sets in like a four-hour championship match. Wow. It was an epic. Um, they're good friends. They're both actually going to play at Wisconsin next year. Okay. Top-notch players. They played once this year that uh, Badoon won in uh, with a super set tiebreaker after each had won an uh, uh, early set. So they're very even. It sounds like they're extremely evenly matched. And I've never seen... Two players at this level together at the high school tennis, and there's they've had good players, yeah. but never two guys who are uh, head and shoulders above okay. everybody else. It should be it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. Does it make it fun that they're friends that they kind of know each other? They, I imagine there's like this healthy rivalry on the court, but they can't take it too seriously. At the end of the day, they're still going to be friends. Absolutely, and they know each other, and they talk. Yeah. You know, and they're still rivals, and they, they've they've have told me that they've. Uh, and be able to stick the needle into each other once in a while. Of course. You know, yeah, that's well, who, who that, wouldn't? The way friends do. Who wouldn't, yeah. Um, and it, like I said, it just makes it fun. And considering last year's championship match, which was just an epic, I think there's no reason to think that they won't have another one this year. Okay. A lot to look forward to with the high school tournaments starting up. Jim Paulson, appreciate the time today. Good luck covering everything. Wear a hat. Put on your sunscreen when you head to Caswell Park in North Mankato. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Good stuff from Jim Paulson. Always love to catch up on high school sports, a busy time of the year. Talking to him reminded me of all the trips I made to the state softball tournament and I was covering that, you know, back in my earliest days of the Star Tribune and then when I was the high school sports editor, I think that was like 2007 to 2011, I covered quite a few of those because I had experience doing it and I kind of liked it. Um, it was always this time of year. The NBA Finals were almost always on. I just remember, you know, being there, covering those games, um, you know, at night, watching the NBA Finals, getting chicken wings, and you know, just kind of hanging out and decompressing, and then uh, hoping that the weather stayed good. But all the softball was always great. The stories were always great, and Jim will do a great job covering that along with the rest of our high school sports team. 
Let's finish with the cooler. Some interesting news out of the University of Minnesota. Natalie Darwitz, um, who had just been promoted to associate coach with the Gophers women's hockey team in January, is no longer with the team. Um, That was confirmed by head coach Brad Frost on Monday, reporting here by Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune. Um, the, the quote from Frost, Natalie is no longer a member of our coaching staff. She's a great alum and ambassador for women's hockey. We appreciate all she has done for our program, both as a player and as a coach. Timing seems kind of curious since she's only been here. Um, this is her second stint, but she just became an assistant coach at the start of the 21-22 season and then was promoted, like I said, to associate head coach in January. Reading from Randy's story, this paragraph caught my eye. There were indications within the program that Frost and Darwitz had philosophical differences. Um, Randy would not have written that if it was not true. I'm sure it is. I'd love to know more about what those philosophical differences are and what Darwitz will wind up doing. But a little drama over there in Dinkytown. Frost still the head coach, of course, of a very successful program. Darwitz, a big part of that success as a player you know, in the 2000s, helping them to win two, uh, two NCAA titles in 2004 and 2005. Uh, Frozen Four most outstanding player in 2005, one of the all-time greats in women's hockey. Um, had you know was a Gophers assistant several years back, and then was back here and had a really strong run with Division Three Hamlin. Led them to a couple of uh, Division Three Frozen Fours. So interesting there. I don't know what the full story is, but the differences in uh, in philosophy within the program is interesting to me, and maybe we'll learn more about that as time goes on. That will do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed today's show. A bunch of good stuff coming up later this week. Should be joined by Lavelle E. Neal III on Wednesday's show to talk twins, among other things. Bobby Marks from ESPN expected to join me on Thursday's show to talk Timberwolves and NBA NBA offseason. And Bobby Nightingale Jr., new twins beat writer with the Star Tribune, will join me on Friday. So enjoy the rest of your day. Back at it again tomorrow.